So we're going to talk today uh, a little bit about, um, you know, we've been talking about some assembly required coming together, and we'll touch on that just a little bit. But for the most part, today is Pentecost Sunday. So anybody know what Pentecost Sunday is, significance of Pentecost Sunday? It's uh, probably one of the most significant days in the life of the church of Jesus Christ and the body of Christ. And as I was studying and preparing for this message, you know, uh, I actually have a brother who he, him and his family enjoy uh, with their kids. They like to celebrate the feasts, the Jewish feasts and stuff like that. And they maybe go further than I would with it. But anyhow, it's, uh, the Bible says that the, the Old Testament is actually types and shadows for us. So if you want to see something, uh, one preacher said, if you want to have a good sermon, you need to have illustrations because illustrations to a sermon are like windows in the house. They let the light in. Right, So you may like study all this, this scripture, that scripture, that scripture. Well, you need to yourself when you're studying, like ask the Lord for great examples just so you have understanding. And Jesus, when he taught so many times, he taught with parables. He taught with these great examples. Well, uh, when we think of like uh, the feasts, there's actually a feast. The feast um, on Easter actually fell, Easter Sunday morning actually fell on the feast of first fruits. So Jesus... When he rose again on the third day, he actually rose as the first fruit of our inheritance. So we see like the first fruits, they've been celebrating this the whole time. And the feast of first fruits actually fell on that day. And that's when Jesus rose again. And then we find like Jesus, after he rose again, it says, and we studied this last summer, uh, like week after week after week after week in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, that he went about... uh, teaching about the kingdom of God for 40 days, okay? And then right before he ascends on the day of ascension, you know, he's saying, wait, I'm going to go away, but don't worry about it because I'm sending you someone, the Holy Spirit, who will, you know, I guess in most Bibles it says the comforter, which I really don't like that translation in the 21st century language because I think of, you know, some people think of like, you're going to have a rainy day. Has anybody had rainy days lately? And you're going to get like in a a cozy room and put a comforter on you and just be very comfortable. And I'm going to comfort you while you go through this. I'm just here to make you feel like soft and squishy. And, you know, it's actually a very manly thing that the Holy Spirit does. And that is to like raise you up, make you bold, make you equal and above equal beyond any circumstance. Really, you could say more than a conqueror in every circumstance, in any circumstance. The Holy Spirit actually empowers us to do that. Of course, he brings the presence of God and the peace of God and, and everything that's contained there. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, um, wait, before you go out, wait until you be endued or filled or you know, flooded with power from on high. Because he knew we were going to need this. You know, and you know, they're thinking, listen, they had traveled with this man, some of them, for like the three years of his ministry. And no one ever spoke like this guy before. This guy actually talked like he knew what he was talking about. This guy, uh, not only did he talk like that, but when he spoke, things happened. Things changed. Nobody ever spoke like that before. Everyone had, uh, or many of the philosophers and the sages, they had uh, intellectually stimulating things to say that would make you think. But this man was like not just making you think, but he was doing And you could see it. And then all of that was gone because he was crucified. And what happened now, we're so disappointed. I can't believe this. You know, all these things that he said, he was so amazing. That's the most amazing person I have ever met. Never met anybody like that. And why didn't I go to more of his meetings? (laughs) 
And then all of a sudden, he like rose from the dead. And now he's talking for 40 days. So they went through all of this. And then he says, you know, I'm going to leave, by the way, (laughs) again. But this time, like a different way. Uh, But don't worry about it, because I'm sending you the helper, the Holy Spirit, the comforter. He'll teach you. He'll show you things to come. He'll actually take everything that I have and reveal it to you and show it to you and give it to you. So now the way that you're going to connect with me is by connecting with him. The way that you're going to receive from me is by what he does. And, you know, he's the most humble being that you'll ever meet because he never even speaks about himself. He only speaks that what he hears. In other words, what he hears the Father say to you and what he hears Jesus say to you, that's what the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He doesn't speak of himself. So Jesus, for 40 days, taught about the kingdom of God. And he says, hey, I'm going away, but wait until you get this power from on high. And, um, you know, it was 10 days from when he ascended to the day of Pentecost. And actually, interesting, interesting thing is on the day of Pentecost is the exact same day that Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. So the Word and the Spirit came on the same day, thousands of years apart. So, um, you know, uh, turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians, I think it's 2 Corinthians 3, 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. I don't know if I marked it here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Verse 3, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered to us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. You see, actually, we learn in Romans 5, 5, that the Holy Spirit will shed abroad. When he comes, he sheds abroad, in other words, in abundance, the love of God in our hearts. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And really, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of love. So when we are born again, uh, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And then on the day of Pentecost, which we'll get into in a minute, the Holy Spirit comes in his fullness. He comes in overabundance. So I like how uh, Dad Hagen would describe it. He said, you know, you can have a glass of water or you can be full of water. And there's a difference. Meaning... Uh, I could have a glass of water, which I don't, but if I had one, I could have a, uh, or a cup of water, and I could drink this water. Uh, but once I drank this water, because I, haven't, I don't think I drank today yet at all, uh, I would not be full of water. I would have some water, but I wouldn't be full of water. So, but I still have water. So the Holy Spirit is the agent um, in, the, in the new creation you could say. So the first time we see the Holy Spirit, actually, is in the book of Genesis. And what's happening? The Bible says in the margin of your Bible, it says, uh, the earth was without form and void. Actually, the, the margin or one translation says it was chaos. And it says, and the Spirit hovered over the face of the waters. And so, and then brought everything into order. And so you realize when you're not born again and the Holy Spirit begins to hover over you or hover over me, he takes what's chaos in our lives and he brings order. He brings the new creation. He brings new life where everything was messed up. Now that is, of course, what he does in the agent of the new creation. But once you're born again, James actually says that you should be saved uh, by renewing your mind with the word of God. What does that mean? Like, does that mean you're not saved? 
No, it means like your mind is not saved, but your spirit's saved. So if any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man, any woman, anybody be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So all of these old things that you were, that I was, uh, are passed away in the new creation. But the new creation actually does not affect, uh, does not directly affect your mind or your body. In other words, it doesn't make your mind brand new. You still have a lot of the same thoughts you used to have, but it changes your desires and it changes you from the inside. And um, so we have to renew our mind uh, through the word of God, which is the saving of our soul is what James tells us. So um, the Holy Spirit came to uh, reveal Christ, to um, show us Christ, to show us things to come. The Holy Spirit, one way you know like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, or let's go a step further, even better yet, speaking through you, is the Holy Spirit will always reveal the blood of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always reveal the blood of Jesus. So um, if you are feeling um, condemned, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did not come to condemn Actually, in uh, John chapter 14, I believe it is, when Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, he said he will convict the world of sin and of judgment uh, and of righteousness. And, um, but it says he'll convict the world of sin. So the Holy Spirit actually convicts the world. That means people that are lost, not part of God's kingdom, convicts of sin. Because if you don't know that you sin or I don't know that I sin, we don't even know we need anything. Uh, sometimes in Western culture, it's more challenging to reach people because like, they may be financially very well off and they feel like, I don't need anything, everything's fine. Uh, but uh, their relationships certainly need some work. And uh, without the Holy Spirit revealing to them or to you that you have need of Christ, that you have need of God, you wouldn't come to God. You know, and Actually, if you don't know that there is a God, if you don't believe there's a God, the Bible says you can't come to God at all. You must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, uh, that are coming after him. So when Jesus said that he will convict the world of sin, you know, what, what really happens when we sin as a Christian is our own spirits are like, "Ugh, you shouldn't have done that. Why'd you do that? Why'd you mess up? You know, and then the devil will pile on and try to make you feel guilty, make me feel guilty, what, you know, uh, whatever his tactics happen to be in the situation. But the Holy Spirit always reveals the blood of Christ. So when you mess up or I mess up, the Holy Spirit's right there, if we'll listen to him, to say like, you know, Tim, you didn't, um, you know, I took care of that for you. I corrected that before you even thought about doing that, before you even thought of messing up. If you knew you were going to mess up or you didn't know you were going to mess up, I actually took care of every bit of that on your behalf. Um, but uh, many times, the whole denominations will say like, well, you're sinning, so the Holy Spirit's condemning you because you've sinned. No, like you're condemning yourself. The Bible says actually we have condemned ourselves. And so if First uh, uh, John 1, 9 says, uh, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's not... Uh, a lot of people, when they quote the New Testament, they talk about... Uh, 
your sins being remitted or being removed, they talk about it as if it's your sins are forgiven and covered. Actually, sins forgiven and covered is Old Testament and Old Covenant. Because what happens is, if you took, um, you know, um, we're working on this house that is a very old house, and it has like layer after layer after layer after layer after layer, I could probably go on for a long time, of paint on this house for year after year after year. Uh, but you know, you can take like a pressure washer or a paint shaver pro, or I found this really cool thing that you can actually take. It's like dry ice blasting and you can blast it with dry ice and it will take off all those layers of paint and get down like to the raw wood. So, you know, if somebody had like, um, put something in that raw wood that they wanted to cover up, you could cover it up year after year after year after year. Although this house, they didn't do that. Maybe they did it every 10 years because it needs help. But, uh, you know, every 10 year after 10 year after 10 year, uh, it's still under there. That's not what happens with the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ actually expunges it, removes it completely so that uh, you, it never existed that way. Uh, like... Uh, we learn in Psalms that he'll cast your sins as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness, like they never existed. Uh, one of the greatest keys to living a successful Christian life and victorious and full of joy life is to understand that if you're a Christian and you confess your sins, they are gone for all eternity. The devil tries to bring a picture, the devil tries to bring a memory, but as far as God is concerned, they don't exist, they're gone. That's the power of the blood of Christ. So the Holy Spirit always reveals the blood of Christ. And if you are ministering to someone, or if you see someone else ministering to someone, they're like, well, they said, uh, you know, God said such and such, or, you know, this is the word of the Lord. And you're wondering, like, is that the word of the Lord? Something just doesn't seem quite right. Well, does it reveal the blood of Christ? Does it make the person feel guilty and condemned? Is it always just about what somebody's doing wrong? And never about what, what uh, God is doing that's right. The blood of Jesus. So, you know, someone says, I have a word from the Lord, or feel like they have a word from the Lord, or if you feel like you have a word from the Lord, you have to check it like, is this in my heart? Is this doing the work of the blood of Jesus? Is, am I seeing this person then victorious? Am I seeing this person overcoming this? Or am I seeing this person condemned? Am I seeing this person trapped in this? Like there's no way out and this is a terrible person and you know I really can't believe they would do that. Well, are you seeing them with the eyes of the Holy Spirit? And I don't want to get too far down there, but I'll, I'll say this to, to finish that up a little bit, is that you know, legitimately the Lord shows you things to come and he'll show you things sometimes. Uh, but if you're not going to walk in love with what he shows you, uh, especially concerning other people, you're probably not going to be seeing too much because he's not there to condemn. Have you ever noticed? That's one of the, my most favorite things about the spirit of God is like he knows exactly what to say to you, but not only what to say, how to say it. Right? I, I mean, I relate in marriage a lot. Uh, we've been married for 14 years next month, actually. And um, my wife can say a lot of things to me that you guys can't say to me, and I'll receive them. But there's things that even my wife wants to say to me that it's better for her to pray. Maybe it's a word from the Lord for you. I don't know. <laughs> it's better for her to pray to God like, Lord, just show this to him on, in his heart. Because why? Why would that be helpful? I mean, that's helped so many marriages. The reason that's helpful is 
The Holy Spirit never condemns. There's not a condemning hint in his voice, in his tones, in the way he speaks to you or the way he speaks to me. It's always embracing, and you can do this, and I see you victorious, and I see you abounding in this. And, you know, like Gideon, you know, the Lord said, you mighty man of valor, when there was no physical evidence. And Abraham, when there was no physical evidence, I have made you the father of many nations. I have made you. Because why? God is a faith God, and faith calls those things which be not as though they were. So when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, or the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, he's speaking what God's saying about you. He's speaking what Jesus wants to say to you, what Jesus says over you. And he speaks in full faith, because he's speaking of faith. Where he's getting those words are from the faith creator, God himself. So when he speaks words to you or to me, they're words of faith. They're words that give strength, that buoy you up, that say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the Holy Spirit has one of the greatest outlooks on your life or my life. 2 Corinthians, uh, we just read it, uh, chapter 3 and verse 3, but written on our hearts, not on tables of stone. So you learn, like we talked about, like the feasts and everything, well, that on Pentecost is the same day that um, Moses received the Ten Commandments written on stone. But then the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, the exact same day, to say, you know what? These were written on stone, but they're not written on stone anymore. I'm writing them inside of you on your heart. In your heart, on your heart. So actually, this is a part of you. So now no longer do you have to look from an outward way and from a mental way and say, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and keep the law right. Because actually, the whole law is fulfilled in this one thing, Jesus said. You shall love your neighbor, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love fulfills the whole law. So all the Ten Commandments, if you actually walk in love, it will fulfill every commandment. Because why? I'm not going to commit adultery with your wife if I love you and I love my wife. And I love myself, actually. And I love the Lord. (laughs) Sometimes we stop too shallow. We're kind of like, well, I'm not going to like cheat on you because I love you. Well, I mean, what about how much you love God and how much God has done for you? We can go deeper. We can go further. If you want to stop, you know, some people, somebody said one time, like, uh, you know, <laughs> people shouldn't get born again just not to go to hell. And Brother Hagen has actually been to hell three times. <laughs> and he said, yeah, they'd never been there. <laughs> because if they'd been there, they'd say, you should get born again just to miss hell. <laughs> well, that's a good starting point. Uh, but we shouldn't stop there. Right? We should, we should want to live for God because we love God, because we want to please God, because we want to be faithful to God, and because we want to stay close uh, fellowship to him. It's a different thing to be in relationship than to be in fellowship. So when you're in relationship, you get born again, you actually come into relationship. What does that mean? You're born into the family of God. You become a son of God or a daughter of God when you're born again. Well, you know, I have four kids, and they're still pretty young, but sometimes they break the fellowship, Right? We still have the relationship. I love them no matter what they do. But, uh, you know, some of the accesses to privileges that are, are going to be cut off a little bit. That doesn't mean I'm putting sickness on them. That doesn't mean I hurt them. That doesn't mean all this other junk that religion wants to tell you that God will do because that's what the devil does, not what God does. Um, 
but it means like they don't have access to some of the privileges that they could have. And really, when their fellowship is broken, they're not drawn near to me. But the second that they come and they come up in my lap and they're coming and, you know, um, they're like, Daddy, man, the second they turn towards me, I'm like the, the father with the prodigal son. Like, come on, you know, just give me an inch. Like, let me do something for you. Let me help you, you know, because I know I'm going to do this myself. You know, I'm going to do that. And like, you know, that's, that's not really the best way to, no, Daddy, I know, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, like, you know, and then, of course, if it's like going out in the street, you, you, you don't let them do that. Um, uh, as long as you're watching them and seeing them. You know, so somebody said, uh, well, God, you know, God didn't uh, do it, but he permitted it, so therefore, it's just like he did it. Well, it's not really the truth, so like, if I have my kids and they're trying to run out in the middle of the road and I, you know, teach them you don't run out into the road and then they run into the road, well, I permitted them to do it because I didn't just like just like stay with them 24 hours a day to stop them. So therefore, I wanted them to do it. Does that make any logical sense whatsoever? If you being an earthly parent know how to do good things for your children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to do good things for you? And, you know, I know my children in a measure, but God knows every hair on your head. Actually, he has numbered every hair on your head, whether you have a lot or a little. He has numbered every hair on your head. Uh, And that actually speaks to the great detail and uh, attention to detail that the Lord has about your life and my life. And sometimes I think one of the greatest things the Holy Spirit does is he tells you about yourself. Really, he's the spirit of truth. So what we're seeking really is truth. We want reality. And if you don't think you're seeking truth, if you're a Democrat or if you're a Republican or if you're an independent or if you're a libertarian or if you just plan not to vote... Uh, maybe this election cycle would help you realize like you really just want truth because you're like, well, the news is saying this about this candidate or this about this candidate. And then, and then even this candidate is saying this and this candidate is saying this. What would it be like if you could actually know what each candidate was actually going to do? If they're actually going to do what they said, right? So um, we all seek after truth. We all really want the truth. Well, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He brings the truth. And so realize that when you're born again, the Holy Spirit is not going to uh, convict you of sin, but he will reveal the truth to you. So I can think of a few significant times in my life, uh, and uh, I think I've related to this one before, but I'll say it again this morning. And um, that is... You know, you think, I'm just plugging along, going along, everything's good, loving the Lord, reading the Word, praying, growing, and um, not realizing that you're kind of missing it (laughs) along the way. So I was at a church in Michigan where I was on staff, and they had a lot of uh, different staff changes and some stuff where, you know, people were doing stuff they ought not to do, and anyhow, I was kind of not thrilled about it, and I was walking through the auditorium, and I remember to this day, right where I was standing, and... um, the scripture just popped up in my heart in Philippians uh, chapter uh, 2, I believe it is. It says, all men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. Well, I saw some people that were really seeking their own. They were like actually uh, bending uh, the truth and people in ministry, okay. <laughs> bending the truth and, and uh, um, 
doing lots of things that they shouldn't do. And, and uh, scripture came up, and I said, that's right, Lord. You know, all men seek their own. You're so right. I didn't, like, I wasn't connecting that, but that's exactly what's happening. And, um, and the Lord just kind of spoke inside to my heart, witnessed to my heart, and said, you know, are these people doing that? Yeah, there's people doing that. And I'm like, they shouldn't be doing that. They really shouldn't be doing that. And uh, the scripture came up again. All men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. And I said, yeah, then that's the problem around here. People are just seeking their own, seeking their own. Well, the Lord said, what about you? Just as a witness, you know what I mean? It was an audible voice, just like, well, what about you? And I said, oh, not me. Like, but people are seeking their own, like three times. Like, well, what about you? Well, maybe a little bit is possible, you know? And then like the third time, well, what about you? And I'm like, you're right. I was like seeking what's best for my department, not for like all departments as a whole. You know, uh, we, f- we felt like attacked in some ways and stuff like that. So I was like protecting the department, stuff like that. And so the Lord taught me right there. But you know what? The Holy Spirit revealed that because I listened to what he said. So the Holy Spirit in your life or my life, he can actually take and reveal truth to you in your life or my life that we don't even have a clue about. Brother Hagin used to say, and it's so true, you you got these people that feel like they have the gift of uh, discernment, they'll call it. That's not in the Bible, actually, just so you know, there's no gift of discernment in the Bible. But some people feel like they have the gift of discernment. (laughs) Brother Hagin always said, he's like, you know, if they turn that gift on themselves, they would stop using it. (laughs) Meaning, really, it's not from the Holy Spirit. They just feel like, well, I know what your problem is. I've got you pegged. I've got you figured out, all this type of stuff. The gift of discernment. He said, no, the the real truth of the matter is um, you don't have to tell us your faults, what your faults are, because we can all see all of your faults. It's our own faults that we can't see. Right? So you guys can see my faults a whole lot more clearly than what I can see my faults unless the Spirit of God reveals it. Right? But when the Spirit of God reveals your faults or my faults, I've noticed it doesn't even feel like it's a fault. Understand what I'm saying? Not like, oh, you can just keep doing it. It's just fine that you're doing that. It is expressed in such attitude and tone and words of love that I'm just like, uh, like even what happened with that. I didn't feel condemned. I didn't even feel convicted. I felt shocked and awe. Like they did that one war. They call it shock and awe. I like the first phase of it. Shock and awe. I was like, you're kidding me. And I wanted to get as far away from that as possible. So the Spirit of God, when he's speaking to you, he's speaking in tones of complete belief in you. Because God, through the Holy Spirit, you know, he sent Jesus Christ While we were sinners, Romans tells us, Christ died for us. So in other words, uh, think of the worst person you know that you interact with, that you've seen or whatever, and um, you're going to do like the greatest act of love for them, whether they actually accept it or not. You're actually going to give the life of your son, or in Jesus' case, your own life, up and suffer the pains of hell and everything that goes with that and then become victorious over it. But you still have to go through it. For you and for me. that confuse you? Jesus went through it. I'm Jesus still had to go through it. To set us free. So I think of the love of God and the amount of love he has for us and the way that he thinks about us and the way that he talks about us. So if you're having trouble like with how you're thinking about someone or talking about someone and include yourself in this comment, then you need to... 
uh, see them through the blood of Jesus. See yourself through the blood of Jesus. And um, it's interesting. It, it seems to me, and I don't know this, okay? I probably wouldn't say something like this super often, but um, uh, an observation I've made is that people tend to have trouble in about two areas, big trouble in two areas. One is, and they're both actually uh, a form of pride. One of them is that I am God's gift to the world, and I have arrived, so your problems are gone. And if you listen to me and the wisdom that God has given me, everything will be fixed and everything will be fine. Well, uh, that's you know because I have been made a new creature, and I am a God-man and a Christ-man. Well, uh, the statements that I'm making are true, but the attitude in which I'm making them does not come from the Spirit of God. Well, maybe not the first statement. <laughs> the last statements were true, like a God-man, you know, we're created in Christ Jesus. Uh, and, you know, if I'm saying it as myself, like as a minister, of course, I draw upon the anointing and I have an office that I stand in in the body of Christ. And when I speak from that office, I have words and anointing and help that supply needs to you and supply needs to me from the pastoral office that you don't get other places. So that's very true. But a lot of times people will get, you know, what I'm talking about like the attitude, like I'm God's gift. Well, then there's the opposite attitude, which a lot of times people don't classify as pride or arrogance. And that is like, well, I'm, I really don't measure up good enough to speak to anybody about Jesus or I really know nothing and don't have anything. You realize both of those are edifying self or building up self or magnifying self and not magnifying Jesus Christ or the blood of Jesus. But we're to come... Um, if you've ever had any actions, interactions with a school named Karis, you should know this. But we are to come by the blood of Jesus because the grace of God is a free gift. And it's not something that I'm good enough for or too bad for. It's something that we get by faith. In other words, we say, God, I'm deciding to trust you with all that I am. And when we do that, then he says, I'm giving you all that I am. Here it comes, my grace. And you receive from him, we receive from him by faith through grace. And um, coming by the blood of Jesus and receiving the grace of God through the blood of Jesus actually sets us free from ourselves. Whether we have a tendency to be like, I don't measure up, or a tendency to like overestimate <laughs> ourselves. So I think that's why Paul said in so many you know, different ways, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life, I live in the body. In other words, the life you're living here on the earth, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how I'm living, and that's how I'm doing this. So, of course, we come to uh, Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one accord in one place. And there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole room where they were all there. So remember, they were there for how many days? Ten days. Tarrying or waiting till they be endued with this power from on high. So this power from on high, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon them, above each of them, as a tongue of fire. Uh, and I don't have time to go into all of the uh, types and symbols, but you know, up on Mount Sinai, actually, the Ten Commandments were written with the fire finger of God. They're written in fire, emblazoned on that. And then, of course, fire shows up uh, at the beginning uh, of the 
the advent of the Holy Spirit. And so, but they're all together in one accord in one place. So you find like some people like, I get closest to God when I'm out in the woods. Well, you can seek God and you get peaceful and quiet and you can focus on God and really um, you could do that not out in the woods. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And the problem, one of our biggest issues in American culture is we don't get still. And some people say, well, God never speaks to me. Well, do you ever stop to listen? Do you ever give him space or give him time? Because God is right there, and he's got things, clues, wisdom, understanding, revelation, uh, benefits, gifts that he wants to give you and give me. But sometimes we don't get quiet enough. Um, I was listening to Brother Hagin this week on a, a MP3 Actually, I listened to this for the last three weeks. Apparently, the Lord's trying to get something through to me. But um, he said that uh, he was in a um, church service, and there was a minister speaking, and they were talking very disparagingly of the faith message. And uh, he said, when he heard it, he said, I stayed tender in my heart. He said, because what I wanted to do was, I wanted to just say, like, you know, well, I'm going to turn them off. If they, don't, if they don't agree with that, I'm just going to turn them off and I'm not going to pay attention to anything they said. He said, but I stayed tender in my heart and I said in my heart, maybe he misspoke or maybe he just doesn't know. And here was the, here was the thing that really impressed me. He said, and I'm so glad I did because it wasn't 10 more minutes into his message, but what he answered a question that I have had for 25 years, I've been seeking the Lord through the word about, and he gave me the answer to that question. 25 years. But if he had said, oh, I'm just turning him off, I'm not going to listen to him, he would never have gotten that, at least not then. And so, uh, you know, it really pays to walk in love and to be humble and to manage your own heart. You have to manage your heart. I have to manage my heart. Uh, the Bible says, what does it say in Proverbs? Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. And so just because, you know, and Dad Hagen was big on this. I'm so thankful for uh, our time with him and, you know, being trained by him, you know, and working with him in ministry because he was such a balanced individual. And he said, you know, you learn things from people that are not the same belief as you, all that type of stuff. They're still Christian, you know, but not the same belief. And just some real practical things. And um, it's so important that we uh, stay open to the Spirit of God and that we understand that we are the body of Christ and members in particular. And not every member has the same role or function, and not every member is supposed to have the same role or function. And if we rightly discern the Lord's body, uh, we'll actually not have sickness and disease among us. Uh, really, that's about the only thing in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul, why sickness is in the body of Christ. Is because, you know, when you take the Lord's Supper, you're not rightly discerning the Lord's body. Twofold meaning there. One is that you're not discerning that by his stripes you're healed, that his physical body stripes were laid upon him, and that he conquered all of that. But the other is that you're not walking in love with the body of Christ, that you're not discerning the Lord's body. In other words, like, I'm not gonna listen to them because they have this one thing that I disagree with. And, you know, it's important that you're feeding your faith on people of faith. 
So I'm not saying that you just go listen to anybody that's not like of faith, but I'm saying you don't like just turn somebody off. That makes sense? Because they have things that you don't have and that I don't have, and we have things maybe that they don't have. Of course, we believe that what we believe is the most accurate. That's why we believe what we believe, right? Otherwise, don't believe what you're believing. (laughs) But they're all together in one accord in one place. So they're all in agreement, they're all in unity, and they're all seeking God. And what that denotes to me is they weren't like, you know, hey, it's all about me. Like Mary was there in the upper room. If you want to be a good Catholic, you need to get full of the Holy Ghost because that's what Mary did. Mary waited there. So the way to be uh, honorable to Mary and her legacy is actually to get full of the Holy Ghost because that's what she did. And, you know, this is really just the intro to the message. So uh, we might do part two next week. But you know, there is nothing like being full of the Holy Ghost. And I wanted to, I felt in my heart really, love the Lord to do a message about the Holy Spirit a little differently than sort of like a clinical Bible study sort of way. Because um, I think a lot of times we gloss over stuff when we do that because all of a sudden we're like, okay, step A, step B, step C, step D. The Holy Spirit is a divine person, a divine being. And he can be grieved, he can be quenched, he can move, he can fall. One, one, one time, Brother Hing never liked to debate, but one of these, one of these um, people came to some of his meetings and they wanted, always wanted to have, let's have a debate, let's have a debate, let's have a debate. And um, he's like, I don't, I don't have debates, I don't want to have debates. So they said one time about, you know, well, when the Holy Spirit fell, the Holy Spirit, that's just, the Holy Spirit is the Word of God. That's what the Holy Spirit is. And he said, oh, you don't say. He said, he said that's why there was a great earthquake, because when the Holy Spirit fell, that Bible must have been huge. It must have fallen all the way from heaven, and it shook the ground. You know, because people have different ideas about the Holy Spirit, and they'll call the Holy Spirit it. Well, the Holy Spirit is, is He. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is a divine personality. He's a divine person. And um, he loves you and thinks more about you than what you understand or what I understand, what our heads can conceive and contain. And before I was filled with the Holy Spirit, um, I, I remember so many times I would be in my church and, uh, you know, I prayed outside the church too, but we had a special thing on Sunday mornings where we'd pray before service. And I can remember so many times being there praying and just felt like I got something in me that I cannot get out, I cannot express. I, I don't know how to put English words to it, but it was like there was not full articulation or there's something missing and it wasn't there. And, you know, I was so thrilled when I started to see little glimpses of light on being filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And... Um, so then, you know, I was in a church that didn't really believe in it, and I was on a, a little trip away from that church with some friends that were full of the Holy Spirit and uh, acted like it. And so that inspired my faith. And so they said, uh, this lady was going to pray for me, wonderful lady, and um, she said, would you like to receive the Holy Spirit? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, I just feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. And as soon as I heard myself say those words, I said, oh, okay, I will. Because inside, while she's saying this, I'm thinking, God, is this a fuse? Is this the devil? What is this? You know, <laughs> Because of the, I didn't have the word on it. I just had what a lot of people thought or said or had heard themselves. 
And um, once I had that witness on the inside of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that I was born again by, then I said, oh, okay. And they prayed for me, I, I, and I instantly received baptism of the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And um, like you've probably all heard me say, I got a brand new Bible. Uh, because why? Now these words were alive to me. I had had little glimpses of light before, but it was so alive and so living. It's like before you'd see something here or there, but I had Bible quizzed and the, I looked at the same exact scriptures and I couldn't believe they were the same scriptures because they were so infused with life. And, and a revelation from the Lord. But it was like, life is really the best word I can give for it because I looked, I'm like, that, that word is a living word. And uh, of course, we learn in Hebrews that the word is alive and powerful and sharper than any, any sword or any instrument. So, um, you know, if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you can be, and really you should be. It will enhance your life. It's an experience after salvation. Uh, some people are born again and then immediately filled with the Holy Spirit. That's Melody's testimony. So she doesn't actually know what it's like to live as a Christian for a period of time without being full of the Holy Spirit. So she'll ask me lots of questions different times like, so tell me what was this like, you know? Because <laughs> she's just known that her whole life. And uh, for me, it was... Uh, many years in between, but uh, the Lord used it then to teach me, and uh, I learned a lot. So if you'll stand with me, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you're listening online, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to, uh, God's not going to make you receive Jesus. He wants with everything for you to receive Jesus. His plan from the beginning was that you were part of his family. His plan was that you would never taste death and never taste sin and never taste sickness. Uh, but uh, Adam sold out to the devil and kind of lost that for us. But Jesus came that you could have life, his life, and be part of his family. So if that's you this morning, just slip up your hand or send us an email, info at anchordc.org. If you're here this morning and you don't know... Uh, you, you have not experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit and you'd like to. Uh, you can do that here this morning. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Just slip up your hand or come down here and uh, we'll pray for you. If you're listening online, um, just email us and we'll send you more information or uh, pray with you over the phone and uh, we'll see you uh, walking in the fullness of all that God has for you and has for me. Let me pray a blessing over us. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that when you left and you went away, you didn't leave us helpless or comfortless. You didn't leave us alone. Oh, Father, that you sent your Holy Spirit to live inside of us, Father. We thank you that he teaches us, he reveals, and he shows us. Thank you for the way you think about us, the way you talk to us. Father, I pray for every person that's listening to this message, every person that's here, every person that's online. Father, I pray that you would reveal to us the truth uh, about ourselves, the truth of areas where you have such blessing waiting to pour out upon us that you want to give to us, Father, but that we're holding it back. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see ourselves the way that you see us in your full love and your full belief in us and um, the blessings that you have for us. Father, I pray that each one of us would grab hold of the love that you have put inside of us, that we would allow your love to flow through us to every person that we come in contact with, those that we don't like as well as those that we do like. Father, that you would help us 
to live like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus. Father, I thank you that it's an easy thing with your spirit, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Thank you that you've set us free from all the power of the enemy, that the devil has no place in our lives and anything to do with anything that concerns us. I plead the blood of Jesus over every person that's here, over every person that's listening. Father, we thank you that you're good and that your mercy endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen.